Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, faithful listener. Thank you so much for tuning into the Bible Explained podcast and for being here to share a cup of coffee with me, your host, Jen, as we discuss scripture. Thank you so much to everybody who's been tuning in. I noticed recently that Canada is right behind the United States when it comes to the amount of downloads. So thank you, Canada, for tuning in and for studying the scripture with me. So let's go ahead and turn. So let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. We'll finish out Luke chapter 14 today and move on to Luke 15 next week. But also next week, we're going to be having a guest on the podcast. So I'm excited about that. And uh, he's a really interesting person that was able to come and talk at my church recently. So stay tuned also for that. He'll be on the podcast next Friday. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead and read Luke 14, 25 through 35. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea for you crazy tea drinkers. And let's go ahead and start. Now, great multitudes were going with him. He turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and doesn't disregard his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he can't be my disciple. Whoever doesn't bear his own cross and doesn't come after me can't be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and count the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Or perhaps when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, everyone who sees begins to mock him, saying, This man began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king, as he goes to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an envoy and asks for conditions of peace. So therefore, whoever of you doesn't renounce all that he has, he can't be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes flat and tasteless, with what do you season it? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus finished his dinner party with the Pharisees, and it looks like now he's back out in the streets with the multitudes again, because basically whenever Jesus was not in a private party, like with the Pharisees, he was surrounded by crowds because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to see him do his miracles. They wanted to see him heal people. They wanted to be healed. So, of course, Jesus was always drawing a huge crowd wherever he went. So he leaves the house of the Pharisee that had invited him to dinner, and he's out in the streets again. So now it says that a bunch of multitudes were going with him. So they were just following Jesus around wherever Jesus went. And Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, don't forget, because he was on his way to die. He was making his way there relatively slowly is kind of what it sounds like because he's always taking detours and stops and uh, helping people along the way. But he's making his way there and all the multitudes, of course, are following him to Jerusalem. So he starts teaching the multitudes now. We saw that Jesus taught his disciples a very similar concept a few chapters ago where he said that the disciples were supposed to take up their crosses and follow him to become true disciples. But now Jesus is teaching this to the crowds. 
And this makes sense because as Jesus gets closer to death, he's starting to tell more and more people what it means to follow him. So he says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't disregard his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he can't be my disciple. If you go back to the Greek, it actually says hate instead of disregard. So the actual word would be the people that don't hate their own father, mother, wife, children, whatever, can't be Jesus's disciple. But this doesn't mean the literal word hate like we think. This is Jesus giving an analogy of what it means to follow him. How much more we're supposed to regard Jesus rather than our own family members. Because don't forget the parable Jesus just said at the Pharisee's house. He said, um, you know, this man was having a great party. You know, God was having a great party in his house and invited all these people. And they all started giving excuses. And one guy made an excuse that he had just gotten married to a wife and couldn't come. And this was Jesus pointing out that this man was focusing more on his wife, his family, than he was on God. And because of that, in the end, this man was no longer invited to feast with God because he put his family above God. So that's kind of what Jesus is stating here. We can't put our family above God. We can't even put our kids above God. We can't even put our husbands or wives above God. We have to put God first because he is the one thing that matters. I mean, what does Jesus say all the time? To fear God, to fear God, to fear God, because at the end of everything, God is the one who decides your eternal fate. So you have to fear God above all else. But the interesting thing about this is that when a person starts to actually fear God, in other words, respect God, want to follow God, become a disciple like what Jesus is saying here, they actually become better family members. (laughs) And I know that for a fact. You know, when my husband and I started growing in our relationship with God, our relationship together started to grow even more, like better. Because I was a very different person back several years ago, eight years ago, when I first met my husband and married him. And my husband was a very different person, too, because my husband had been atheist for most of his life, almost up until the point where he met me. He had just started regrowing his faith again, but he didn't exactly know what his faith was in when I met him. And so I had terrible faith back in those days. My faith was like dead, basically. (laughs) I had it, but it was just dead. And, you know, I just didn't love my husband and his faults back in those days the way I try to do now, even though sometimes I still don't. (laughs) Uh, Marriage can be tough. But anyway, my husband, same thing, though, also was a more self-centered person back in those days. And I don't feel that I'm um, in the wrong for saying that because I also was like this was a mutual arrogance we both had, I suppose. That after we started becoming better followers of Jesus over the years, we started thinking about each other more. Does that make sense? And it's not just my relationship. I've seen that happen with other people's relationships as well. Other marriage relationships, other parenting relationships. Like once parents start growing their own faith 
and the children start growing their own faith in God, they start becoming better children and better parents, better spouses, because God just gives you the wisdom and the grace and the love, you know, that spirit filled fruit that we don't have if we don't have the Holy Spirit active in our lives or if we suppress the Holy Spirit or quench him. Like Paul states, he says, don't quench the spirit. But many of us do because we don't have the spirit active in our lives, even if the spirit is near us. So that's kind of my point here. I sort of went off on a rabbit trail. But my biggest point is that, yes, Jesus says, compared to God, we're basically supposed to disregard our family members. Because in the end, God is the only person that matters. But this is kind of an oxymoron because as you become somebody who starts to love God more and respect God more, you're going to actually start loving your family members more. (laughs) And that's stated so many times in scripture as well. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. The first fruit of the spirit is love. So as you start to love God more, the Holy Spirit more, Jesus, that fruit of love is going to help us start loving our family members more, our children more, our spouses more, and everybody else, basically. So it's just kind of an interesting um, little example that Jesus gives here. But he doesn't just include family members. He says, even your own life. That's how much we're supposed to disregard the earthly relationships that we have. Not in the way of we, we disregard them and their feelings and we don't care about them anymore. But as compared to how we're supposed to respect God, we just can't respect our family members the same way. They are not God. We have to think about our souls, our family souls. We have to disregard the earthly things and look to God. Same with our lives as well. We're supposed to disregard our own lives at the sake of Jesus, which is what many of the disciples did. In the end, they all became martyrs except for John. So they disregarded their own lives at the cost of following Jesus. And same with Paul. I believe in the end, Paul also became a martyr because he was killed, they say, by Nero. He was beheaded by Nero, the infamous uh, emperor that watched his city burn while he played the violin. (laughs) I believe that was the that was Nero. But moving on after this, Jesus says that He gives this interesting little parable. He says, which of you desiring to build a tower doesn't first sit down and count the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And same with this king scenario. A king is going to sit down with his counselors and decide if if it's good to go out to battle. So Jesus gives these two parables. And what I personally believe this means is that we need to count the cost of following Jesus, but also count the cost if we choose not to follow Jesus. Because following Jesus is definitely going to be outside of our comfort zones. Absolutely. I mean, what does Jesus say? You have to take up your cross and follow him. It's outside of our comfort zones. We don't like that. We don't like disregarding our own life to follow Jesus. We don't like having faith that Jesus is going to protect us. Jesus is going to protect our families. And that we give the control over to Jesus. We don't like that. That's hard to, to do. But we have to count the cost also if we choose not to follow Jesus. Because that's worse in the end. <laughs> we can live a comfortable life for our entire life, but that's all we got. 
I mean, the average person lives 75 years. And that is just a breath when it comes to eternity. I mean, 75 years is nothing in the span of eternity. So we got to think about eternity. So it's actually worse to not follow Jesus because in the end, we're going to die. All of us are. It's a morbid thing to think about, of course, but it's true. We are all going to die. I am going to die someday. So when I die, where am I going? Like, I have to think about that. I have to count the cost. Is my life here on earth more important than my life in eternity? Um, do I want to be comfortable here on earth rather than being comfortable in God's presence after I die? <laughs> so these are the things you have to think about. And yes, I do believe that, of course, God takes care of us and protects us. And when we surrender that control over to him, which is extremely hard to do, when we eventually do that, he will be there for us, giving us guidance and wisdom along the way, but it's not going to be comfortable. The Christian life is often not comfortable, especially if we are moving where God wants us to move sometimes. And unfortunately, here in America, we've gotten it all wrong. We say, oh, if you follow God, you're going to have a comfortable life. Well, that's not what it says. <laughs> There's nowhere in scripture that says that if you start following Jesus, you're going to have a comfortable life. Here in America, we've made ourselves comfortable. And unfortunately, our religion and spirituality here in America is super twisted. Like it is, it's kind of messed up what we believe a lot of churches. So we've gotten it all twisted here in America that the prosperity gospel is real. God's going to bless us with things here on earth. And like I always say, yes, that is true. Perhaps God will bless you with stuff here on earth. And he does. He does often. But that doesn't mean he's always going to. Because we got to remember also what Jesus says, that the Christian journey is a burden. We got a cross on our backs and we got to walk the straight and narrow path with that cross on our back towards Jesus. And then also, we're going to have trials along the way. <laughs> so it's not even an easy straight and narrow path. We've got thunderstorms on the way. We've got uh, deep waters along the way. We've got problems along the way that we have to have God help us with. So yes, the Christian life is not supposed to be easy, even though we've claimed in America that it is. And I got to be honest with you guys. I'm going to tell you a secret. Sometimes I think, man, my life is pretty comfortable. And I get scared when I think that because I'm like, oh boy, what's God going to ask me to do? Because my life is pretty comfortable right now. Like God just gave me and my husband an amazing house. You guys know about that. It's such a beautiful house. I love this house so much. But I'm sitting here comfortable. And I'm just like, uh-oh. There's something God's going to ask me to do that's going to be kind of uncomfortable. I just know it. <laughs> but it's worth it in the end. And I got to remind myself that. Got to sit down and count the cost. Like Jesus says here, it's worth it in the end to follow Jesus. And I have to remember from the past times in my life when I was extremely uncomfortable, that in the end, it really was worth it, even though I was going through complete misery. During that time period, it was worth it in the end to stick it out and to trust Jesus and do it. 
And I just read a book about that entire concept, actually. It's called Anchored, and it was a great book. It was written by a woman who had a micro preemie baby. And during the time period when everything was going wrong with her child, the only child she was ever able to have, and her child was on the brink of death for months, this woman realized in the end that trusting in Jesus was worth it. It was worth it, even though she was going through all that misery. So she wrote that book to help people who are going through trials right now to remind them to keep the faith. And it was a great book. I recommend it. So yes, we are supposed to count the cost of following Jesus because it's worth it in the end. So also here to conclude, Jesus mentions this tiny little tidbit at the end. Salt is good. But if the salt becomes flat and tasteless, with what do you season it? (laughs) What does Jesus say about us Christians? We are the salt of the earth. Salt is delicious. You know, we season every... I put salt on everything. I, I literally, I cook with salt. Like everything I cook has a bit of garlic and a bit of salt and a little bit of spice. I like my uh, cayenne peppers and, and very spicy foods. And that is what I cook with. I love my my salt for sure. But Jesus says, if we become flat and tasteless people, (laughs) in other words, if we become boring, honestly, the way us Americans are right now, let's be honest, not full of the Holy Spirit, not giving life to other people, just wanting a comfortable life. What good is, what good is it? We're not really sharing the gospel with other people. It is not fit for the soil or even for the manure pile is what Jesus says. Well, that's not great. (laughs) Imagine not even being fit to uh, sit on a pile of crap. It's thrown out is what Jesus says. It's totally just tossed. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's how Jesus ends this. That's a tough bunch of verses Jesus says. But the person who is wise is going to listen and not just listen, but understand what Jesus is saying here as well. That we are the salt of the earth, but we got to keep our flavor going. Because if if we don't, we're not worth it. We're not a good Christian. We are not doing anything of value to help other people come to Jesus. So we got to keep our flavor, keep the faith going so that other people can see our lives and believe. Well, faithful listener, I hope that this episode spoke to you and that you're convicted. It's always great to have some conviction. So if you were convicted, share it on your social media platform. Let people know that the Bible Explained podcast exists. That is the best way that the podcast will grow is through word of mouth. But also it's an excellent way to spread the gospel because this entire episode was talking about following Jesus and the importance of following Jesus. So episodes like this are honestly a really great way to evangelize to your friends and family members. Just share it on your social media platforms, on your Facebook page, and maybe somebody will listen and uh, possibly hear the gospel. But anyway, guys, speaking of Facebook, go over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash P40 Ministries. 
And I'll be uploading my new book cover very soon for the devotional for teen girls that I'm publishing in November. And I have the book cover finished, so I'm excited to share that with you guys of what it's going to look like when it's done. Stay tuned for that to come out. Maybe you can get it for a teen girl that you know, or do it for a Bible study. If you're a youth leader or know somebody that is a youth leader that has a girls group at their church, tell them about the Advent devotional called Adore, the Teen Girl's Guide to Advent. And it's a four week long Advent devotional. Anyway, faithful listeners, happy listening and God bless. Thank you.